Hi, and welcome to a very short introduction. From ancient Greece to branding, globalisation to Homer, and logic to fashion, we'll showcase a concise and dynamic insight into a range of diverse topics for wherever your curiosity may lead you. So here is today's very short introduction. Hello, my name's Hermione Lee. I'm a literary biographer, and I've written biographies of Virginia Woolf, Edith Wharton, Penelope Fitzgerald, and most recently, Tom Stoppard. I've also written quite a bit about biography, uh, for instance, in a book called Body Parts, which is a collection of essays on life writing. And I've taught courses on biography and life writing, mainly at the University of Oxford, but also elsewhere. And I found it a centre for life writing at Wolfson College, Oxford, um, in 2011. So my book, which is a very short introduction to biography, is a great deal about literary biography because that's what I do. But it also covers other kinds of lives from St. Jerome to Marilyn Monroe. Every so often, critics talk about the death of biography, like sometimes they talk about the death of the novel. But I always feel that the death of biography is being exaggerated because it does seem to go on thriving. And one of the things that fascinates me and which I talk about in this little book is the clarity of the form and why we are so interested in reading about the lives of others. And I think there's quite a lot of mixed motives going into this. As a passion for knowledge, we just want to know everything we can about the subject that interests us. There's also a kind of curiosity about other people's lives, and, and there's a sort of sheer nosiness going on, I think, often. But also, there's a longing for models. I'm very interested in why we want to explore other people's lives. Is it because we want exemplary lives, examples, models of how to live our own lives? Is it because we're interested in awful warnings of how not to behave? And do we go to other people's lives because we want to read about people who we think are like us? or because we want to read about people who we think are very different from us. So I'm very interested in all those motives for reading biography. My very short introduction is in part a potted history of biography. It looks at its very, very earliest forms in, for instance, classical lives of leaders and heroes and great men, or for instance, early Christian lives of saints. And it goes right through all the changes and developments in biography through to the present time. And in the present time, there's a huge range of possibilities as to how biography can be written. You can have biographies of very obscure lives, people who wouldn't have been thought writing about centuries ago. You can have group lives, a whole group of people coming together who are all equally important in, in the biography. You can have lives told through just one year in the subject's life, or you can have lives told back to front where you start on the, on the deathbed. There are all kinds of methods for writing biography, and I think especially literary biography has become a much freer and more experimental form than it was, for instance, in the 19th century, where it tended to be something of a sort of big blockbuster, three-volume life and letters kind of genre. And in thinking about the history of biography, I've come to think of it as a very mixed, impure 
kind of narrative, a sort of mongrel narrative. For one thing, it brings together all kinds of different forms of writing, letters and memoirs and journals, as well as sort of witness statements. But for another thing, it mixes up so many different sciences or disciplines. Biography is part history. Biography is part portrait painting. It's part detective work. It's part psychological investigation. It's part the forensic analysis of the relationship between the work and the life. And of course, it's part gossip and scandal and anecdote. When Elizabeth Gaskell, the 19th century novelist, was writing a life of Charlotte Bronte in the 1850s, she put a little note to herself above her desk saying, if you love your reader and want to be read, get anecdotes. So biography is a very anecdotal form of writing. And as a result of that mixture, of that sort of rather impure nature of the form, biography has until fairly recently been rather distrusted by academic institutions. It has tended not to get into academic literary syllabuses. Poetry and fiction and essays and plays sit within um, the academic study of, of literature, but biography has tended to be rather skulking on the, on the edges. I think that's all changed lately and people have become very interested in the forms and the practice of biography. So that's something that's changed and that's something that my book looks at. And the other thing, of course, about biography, as we all know, is that it can be much disliked. It can be much hated and feared, particularly by the friends and relations of the person who is being biographized. And if the, if the subject is living, sometimes by the subject themselves. And often in poems and novels, actually, you often get a biographer who is described as a sort of pernicious, interfering, predatory kind of figure. There's a wonderful short novel by Henry James called The Aspen Papers, in which the biographer is a real scoundrel. And I think you get that quite often in attitudes to biography. And writers, poets, playwrights, novelists who find themselves being treated by biography often feel that it's a distortion of their work. So I have a chapter in this book called Against Biography, which looks at all those kinds of attitudes to the genre. I'm also very interested in the nuts and bolts of biography. How do you write it? How do you start? Do you start at the end? Do you start going centuries back into the ancestors of the subject? Do you start with the birth of the subject? How do you select? Very often, the problem for biography is that there's too much material. Sometimes the problem for biography is that there's not enough material. So then what do you do? Do you make it up? Do you hypothesize? Those questions are very interesting to me. How objective can you be or can you pretend to be should the biographer enter the story giving their views about the, the subject's behaviour and laying down the law or sort of general truths in life. I don't myself much like that kind of biography, but there is an issue, of course, about whether biography can be objective. We all write from the point of view of our generation, our race, our class, our education, our beliefs. So it's very hard, I think probably impossible, to write such a thing as a neutral biography, but you can choose different ways of making your own views felt, or you can try and conceal your own views as a biographer. 
And there are all kinds of interesting small questions which set the tone for a biography, such as how do you name your subject? It strikes me that very often, historically, women who are the subjects of biography get referred to by their first names and men get referred to by their surnames. Little things like that, which have a lot to do with how a biography affects the reader. What tone do you take? What judgments do you pass? Is there a need for the biography to be motivated by some form of affection? or empathy or sympathy with the subject. Obviously, that's not going to be the case if you're writing about some terrible tyrant or monster, but you probably still are going to be motivated by a passionate interest in perhaps in the victims of that subject or, or in that historical period. So the question of affect, of how much emotion there is involved in the task of biography is one that I'm very fascinated by. So one of the things this book does is to propose some comparisons, to do a little work on comparative biography. For instance, an obvious example between different ways of approaching the life of Shakespeare. How much do you make it up from what you know? How much do you spin fabrications? How much do you concentrate on the work as opposed to the life and so on? So there's a lot to be gained, I think, in, in thinking about biography from setting different versions of one person's life. And as I said, I'm very interested in beginnings and I'm also very interested in endings. Do you end a biography on the deathbed of the subject if they are dead? Do you end the biography by going on from the life of the lived subject to the afterlife, the reputation, the way in which they've been written about? So there are all kinds of open-ended ways of thinking about the structure of biography. And since I'm talking about endings, that seems a good place to stop.